The American working people have a right to eat pussy at work that is enshrined in law. But for years, they have been forced to opt out in employment contracts from their pussy-eating rights. The millionaires and the billionaires in this country have been hoarding all the pussy for themselves, and the workers have been left with nothing but butthole. <laughs> Under my presidency, this will stop. <laughs> Welcome to Trash Future, the podcast where I don't know why any of you still listen to it. <laughs> uh, we are here yeah. with, um, in studio, it's me, Riley. I'm here with Milo, across from me, with the gold mic. Hello, it's me, your boy. Uh, I was doing that before we recorded the podcast, and then it was just as a random bit that made sense in context, but then we were just like, hey, let's just do it again with no context at the start of the podcast. Good Absolutely. morning. Absolutely. Hey, you know, it's backwards context. And we also yeah. have Nate on the boards, ably. Hello. Yes, Abley, no longer disabled. Uh, first bike ride in two weeks after the big crash, and I'm feeling great. I'm ready to get sideswiped on the roads in London and not produce a show ever again. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. uh, so, and a podcast is death. <laughs> you go to podcasting Valhalla. <laughs> <laughs> I live. I die. I record again. And also joining us uh, by phone line is Hussein. Hussein, how you doing? What's up? Good. All good. Um, I was actually, I, I wasn't even sure that Milo did that impression. I thought it came from a democratic debate from last night, um, <laughs> yeah, which was maybe for- one of those things that was overlooked because Andrew Yang was too busy talking about how he knew loads of doctors who came from quote Asia. <laughs> Look, a place known as Asia. Yes, a place known as Asia, where doctors are naturally occurring, and of course mm. that bit where um autochthonous doctors. Yeah, where, where Joe Biden wandered on stage in his bathrobe and needed to be taken back home by a, guy, a passing police officer. Uh, it oh, was wait, great. Is, is junior, junior was, Biden. Yeah, he's he's just Uncle Junior. I'm surprised no one else has seen this yet. And we are of course joined by uh, three Pete. Uh, returning guest, returning champion, Grace Blakely, author of Stolen, which is out now on every fine bookstore. Grace, how are you doing? I'm doing super good. Could you it's... do well into the microphone? Sorry. Sorry, Riley. <laughs> oh, I've done this before, you know. Um, it's so great to be here with all of the lads. Every last one. Yeah. Including every Nate, that I haven't lad. met before today. With the exception of Hussein, who's in the distance, of course. But well, he's yeah. here in, well, in spirit. In spirit. Yeah, well, yes. well, 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 all I can say to Grace is that I hope that this podcast gives you as much fulfillment as the one that you did with Douglas Carswell. <laughs> did you like that? <laughs> um, uh, it was interesting. I enjoyed how he got more and more red as the video went on. <laughs> Wait, does Douglas Carswell He's have a- one where he talks about like anime and cum or something? Yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite thing about Douglas Carswell is that he clearly Ooh, at, some, at some point read a book that said you're going to be taken more seriously if people need to struggle to hear you, which is why he is so he just sort of whispers his insanities all the time. Well, he he can't speak with the diaphragm. He just says, "Well, if if." Britain uh, uh, doesn't leave the European Union. And, well, uh, of course, most of the electorate's going to kill everyone else. He, he had a really fun. Softly. He had a really fun line, which was that he thinks um, he was like, you know, look, Grace, I, I, I agree with you that uh, you know we don't we don't live in in real capitalism because he thinks <laughs> that we live in like in like crony capitalism, which is some sort of perversion of this pure mm. form of capitalism mm. where the politics and economics shit. are separate. 
Like and they that's should how be. that works. I mean, exactly. a, yeah, I mean, to libertarians, like crony capitalism basically means capitalism, but with age of consent laws. Most of the problems with the capitalism you get now is you don't know what you're buying. You know, it could be cut with anything. You know, <laughs> but when you do a line of that pure, real Bolivian capitalism, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's 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 how most businesses start. So there's a bold new labor manifesto that's taking shape because there's going to be an election soon, almost certainly. And some of it's very interesting. It's all developing day by day. I'm sure by the time this is out, more stuff will have changed. Um, and so we're so day to day. Yeah, <laughs> things are happening. I'm sure by the time you hear this, more things will have developed. Spartacus Mills, <laughs> over to you on the development center. <laughs> um, so what we're gonna, but we're we're gonna talk about what's here so far, and especially how these are these measures are going to pro- go some way to solving a lot of the problems that Grace talks about in her book, Stolen, How to Save the World from Financialization. Do you want to give us like the, the two minute summary before we leap in? Sure. So the book- but you've never been asked to do this before. <laughs> I really haven't. This is the first time. Thank you guys for giving me the chance to shine. It really means <laughs> a lot. You're welcome. Um, so uh, Stolen is basically about how um, the UK economy's changed largely over the last 40 years from about 1979, when obviously we got the lovely Thatcher into mm. government, um, and how the rise of finance that resulted from um, a lot of the changes that happened then. So bank deregulation, retail bank deregulation, uh, the stock market boom. Um, the removal of restrictions on capital mobility, all these sorts of things. The Venga Boys. The Venga Boys, yeah, yeah, you know, that sort of stuff. The Venga Boys is financed. (laughs) You did say I could have two minutes. Yeah, sorry. Are you going to give me two minutes without interruption? (laughs) No. No. (laughs) Absolutely not. How long do you think our attention span is? (laughs) Okay, sorry, please go ahead. Okay, and so the book goes through how businesses, households, uh, the state, and um, the kind of state's relationship with the rest of the world have all been financialized. So you've had like the rise of shareholder value in corporations. You've had rising household debt um, and rising asset prices. You've had kind of PFI uh, and um, the rise of the bond vigilantes when it comes to the state. And you've had the rise of financial globalization. And then it talks about how all that, that whole model collapsed in 2008. So 2008 wasn't just a banking crisis. It was a collapse of the entire system, which I refer to as finance-led growth. And then the Low period... Low rider came out. Correlation, causation, we don't know. Who knows? <laughs> um, and that the period we've been living in since then has been the kind of um, period between the death of the old and the birth of the new. And a lot of the, the shit that we're seeing at the moment are, are kind of morbid symptoms that result from the collapse of narratives, institutions, um, like norms that underpinned the logic of finance-led growth. And we have yet to come up with something new. And I say that the something new should be socialism. Logic, I mean Venezuela. Uh-huh. <laughs> get, the, get the fuck out of yeah, this basement. Some, I something think new. we should all move to Venezuela Those to solve are these old problems. ideas from the <laughs> 70s, Grace, when socialism was invented. Yeah. But I think one of the best examples of something that has been thoroughly financialized uh, as, my relationship uh, with my ex-wife. Am I right, guys? Cha 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 cha. No, have you guys all read the um the article about Liberty University in um, Politico, no. where they did this uh, expo- expose on this uh, evangelical Christian college? And in the article, it says one of the um the, the Jerry Falwell Jr., the guy in charge of Liberty University, said, "This isn't a university; it's a real estate investment trust." That's jokes. Yeah. Is that true? Yes. Which wow. is funny because that's a criticism that gets levied against New York University, but they they just came out and said it. Yeah, at, at Liberty University. Wow. Yeah, to be fair. So it's like so all all of the activities that are not financialized are becoming more and more vestigial, 
That's and amazing. Most of the activities that are financialized are core to the operation of the thing. And all of the things are getting less and less distinct. Do you want to say what a real estate investment trust is? Uh, so a real estate investment trust is like, a, it's a company that you can invest in. All it does is buy real estate. And then your dividends are based on either renting or selling that real estate as an owner. And mo- a lot of real estate investment trusts are actually second or third, two or three levels of, abst- of abstraction up. Mostly, they just invest in one another. I was going to I was going to say that, but like you totally stole my thing. That's truly the self-suck of real estate investment. <laughs> that, that, oh, yeah. that, that sounds a lot like a cool company I know that does flavored water where... They have cucumbers mm-hmm. that give you motivational messages. <laughs> oh, yeah. Their uh, mm-hmm. valuation got cut in half recently. What, what they company t- are we talking we about? We work. They're $47 billion to like $20 billion overnight. Do they, do they give you cucumbers that talk to you? Uh, they, they spell out words with that them. That would be cool. But in, the, wow. so in, the, in our WeWork office in New York, they have like this big water tank where they do like flavored water. And every Friday they have like, they spell out a motivational message using kind of various fruits and vegetables. Wow. Does that motivate you when it you're does. in your it, work? You know, I was, I was there just hating my life. And then I read a message on a cucumber. You which were about says, to literally drown yourself in that pool. And then you saw the cucumbers and <laughs> you were like, fuck. Yeah, so it's like hustling is bay. This week I took a tour of a WeWork and they were trying to get people to eat cucumbers. But I asked them, where is the pussy? <laughs> Okay. I will not right. eat your cucumber, sir. Not until I get my answers. Okay. Um, getting things back on track, voice. Um, so. I just like that. So- I will we'll have to do that for the rest of the thing. We'll wait. All right. <laughs> um, right. So uh, he said, getting things back on track. So we're gonna we're gonna go through some of the pledges of the labor platform and talk about how they're going to reduce the power of finance capitalism to de- to de-risk itself by making our lives terrible. So, mm. let's let's go some do some of the quick hits and then we'll go into some of the ones that are described in more detail. Quick hit number 1, Ministry of Employment Rights. Um Addressing the TUC conference in Brighton, Jeremy Corbyn said Labour would appoint a Secretary of State for Employment Rights and a Workers Protection Agency to enforce rights, standards, and protections so that every job is a good job and also will ma- vastly empower trade unions by basically consulting with them all the time. What do we think about that? I mean, this is obviously really good. This builds on the stuff we've had already with um, Laura Pidcock's work on the Ministry of Labour, um, mandatory collective bargaining, I think sectoral collective bargaining, um, which is all really good because, you know, we've spent the last 40 years of successive governments, mainly Tory governments, repealing, uh, sorry, Im- imposing anti-union legislation and successive Labour governments failing to repeal it. So this would really be, you know, the the unions basically started the Labour Party. Um, and for a very long time, that relationship has been somewhat taken for granted. And as a result, we've had falling union membership, falling pay, and a general kind of disempowerment of working people. So this is obviously a very important thing. And, and without widespread like union membership, then there is no one really to resist the capacity of massively levered firms to try and you know, de-risk themselves. So like lower their insurance premiums or increase their next quarter's growth outlooks or whatever. But then there's no better thing to do for them than smash unions because then their pay packets that they're going to have to pay out are going to be lower. The possibility of industrial action is lower. And so finance hates unions. So yeah, yeah there's, a bit, there's the, a bit in my book where I talk about how this model emerged, how this model of finance and growth emerged. And um, it was on the back of Thatcher's war with the unions in um, in the 80s and particularly with the miners. So Thatcher came to power with this thing called the Ridley Plan, where she had like a series of interventions that she had planned to do to take on the UK's unions one after another. Um, 
to basically destroy the labor movement. And there's a re- there's a, a good film that's called Still the Enemy Within that I reference in there because there's an interview with a, a miner that was involved in the strikes. And he was like, Thatcher knew that the only thing that was getting in the way of her project of like privatization, um, you know, neoliberalism was us. And she had to destroy us if she was going to get this model to work. Mm. And um, I think concomitantly with that, then we also have promises of a minimum wage hike uh, to £10 an hour for all workers aged 16 and over, banning banning unpaid internships. Again, I think we kind of lumped that in with the previous one. Finance loves uh, low minimum, low wages, and it loves being able to not pay workers. Would also uh, one thing that because we surprisingly have a large uh, American fan base may not realize that the UK's minimum wage is graded or graduated based on age, which doesn't exist in the US. And so it's just one of those things where when you explain it to someone, you're like, how does this possibly exist? I thought all European countries were socialist, but you can find yourself in a situation if you're an apprentice or you're what I think it's if you're under eighteen. If you're, if you're, if you're, you're yeah. yeah, if you're under eighteen, if you're if you're an apprentice, you earn even less. You can earn mm. like a couple of quid an hour. It's ridiculous. Oh, and, that, and that's why the UK could never produce a movie like Boss Baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, love the movie Boss Baby. I watched that on an airplane once. I thought yeah. it was absolutely brilliant. By that baby logic. could be boss, but they wouldn't be making enough an hour to sustain <laughs> the company. I like I like that they brought in the the thing at the end, the the classic um the classic movie setup of it was all a dream. That's the premise you of the entire I mean, movie. I haven't even. Se- I just use it for memes. I have never even seen the Boss Baby movie before. Wow! I well, can't believe oh you're dumping mm. on this movie okay. without having seen it. Sorry. Is that libel? I think that might be libel. Yeah. You've 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 just exposed the fraud at the heart of our podcast. <laughs> yeah. We don't actually consult any of the source material. No. Yeah. Sued um, by the Boss Baby. Damn! What an ignominious way to get cancelled. I, yeah. I bring up the thing about the low minimum wage because of the fact that that's a hu- going to be a huge jump. That if you have a, a standard wage across, you know, regardless yeah. of age or 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 trade, and also going up to 10, 10 pounds an hour, that's that's going to be huge, um, especially for places where people's earnings are, especially like in the north or Northern Ireland or in, in Wales, where people's earnings are really low compared to yeah. London. Of course, we the the counter argument you often hear is, ah, oh, my small business won't be able to afford to pay a wage. Well, well yeah, I mean, this yeah. is what they said when they first introduced the minimum wage yeah. at all, and there and are no small businesses no, left. Im- yeah, I mean, it yeah. had it had no impact. Also, I mean, you have to look at. Uh, they always say this. There was the the argument about when they brought it in in 1987, the argument when Osborne raised it a couple of years ago, and it never materializes. And at least part of the reason is because at the moment, a big reason that businesses aren't investing and why the economy is kind of slowing down is because, well, I mean, partly it's because of Brexit, obviously, but partly it's because there's such low levels of demand in the economy because the government isn't spending and people are not spending because... They, their wages are not going up because we've had a decade of wage mm. stagnation and they've been using debt instead to fund their consumption. And you can only take out a certain amount of debt. So at some point, we're going to reach a point where people aren't going to be able to spend as much anymore. And that means businesses aren't going to be able to sell things. And that means that the economy is going to stop working as well. This is just like, you know, Keynes 101. Mm. And it's it's crazy that we're even still having this debate. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's, Wait, it's, but it's, surely Keynes just needs to Google Venezuela. No, Keynes... <laughs> Keynes needs to go to Economics 101. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, because otherwise he'll write 1984. He needs to talk to a real economics professor like one A. Rand. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you have to go to IEA class, all right? Yeah. Um, here are a couple of other th- other things. We're going to bust through these, and then we're going to get to the rest of it. Um, ending zero hours contracts, that's huge. If you're Because if you're like a private equity firm that owns a chain of pubs, you don't want to have to pay workers for any time where they're not working. Like Mark Fisher was talking about this. Like if a um if a pub could pay a worker not for the time that they were standing behind the bar mm. waiting for customers to come in, but only for the second in which they opened mm. and presented a beer and collected cash, 
they would because again that just that maximizes returns on capital when returns are hard to come by. Yeah, I remember when I used to work at a in a pub and they used to say, sorry, I wasn't speaking to the microphone. I remember when it's I an used important to work part of podcasting. Pub, uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not familiar with this this medium. A peek behind the I'm curtain. I used to a, a lapel mic. Uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> um, they used to say if you have time to lean, you have time to clean. Mm. That was something that my oh. manager used to say to me all the time. To be fair, you, you, your manager was Lil John, and he was <laughs> <laughs> So, so uh, I was under the impression, and just just to clarify, um, I was under the impression that zero hours contracts meant that like you weren't guaranteed a certain number of hours yeah. per week or per month. Um, so, so that's basically it. Like, so you get hired, but you have no knowledge of your schedule. Like, you don't know for certain yeah. how many hours. So you can't like plan your own budget, basically. And it's also yeah. it's based entirely. It's the relationship. It's there's this idea. There's this abstraction. That the relationship between wor- employer and employee is one where they bargain, they figure out something that works for both of them, and they enter into a mutually beneficial deal. But every single like policy move that the past sort of several governments have made has just been stripping away the already minuscule power of yeah. the employee to do anything about it. Yeah. Zero all zero hours contracts is is by the way you have no say over when you work. It's purely yeah. what we need. Yeah. So it's basically you're employed, but you you might have no work yeah. on a given week or a given mm. month. And if you have two jobs that with zero hours contracts and um, one conflicts with the other, chances are you have to pick which one you're going to get fired from. I I love mm. negotiating my wage with an app that some for some reason keeps asking me to put my brain circumference my yeah. my skull circumference <laughs> I mean, in it. That's. I mean, what? That's that's a big part of it, and also to abolish the lords. That's the last one. I like this one a lot. This one just came out today. Um, and Richard Leonard said we are going to abolish the lords and have a federal constitution, which is obviously at least partly to do with the um, you know rising sense of nationalism in Scotland, Wales, and various other places. But also a very important that you know we've been having this like these weird hysterical, crazy people like for a long time. No, not for well for the last couple of weeks being like, ah, we need to uh, defend democracy from this kind of horrible stuff that's happening, that's been happening literally over the last year because Boris Johnson's taking control over our otherwise perfect institutions. And it's been like, okay, you could say defend democracy as a tagline, or for the vast majority of people who live in this country who feel like for the last several years, they've been completely ignored and shut out of a democratic process that completely fails to represent them because it's just representing the interests of big money. You could say, let's actually deepen democracy or build democracy by getting rid of all these like arcane insane institutions that exist at the heart of our constitution you say you, sorry go ahead i was going to say well let's turn like the house of lords into a big pr- a manger that would work <laughs> i think i think yeah. that'd be good i think that'll be like a, that'll be like a good way forward for, for this Do we country put the, the lords working in it and put them on zero hours contracts um. <laughs> Well, I think they have to do an abolish an, zero hours contract. I think except in the House of Lords, it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> everywhere else it's gone. Let's keep the gradi- the gradiated minimum wage, but the more titles you have after yes. your name, the less you can get paid. <laughs> That's what we're doing. I like that, and the higher tax you pay. Absolutely, it's 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 uh, indentured servitude for lords, folks. <laughs> uh, you know they say lords built the pyramids. Um, <laughs> all right, sake. wait, what? <laughs> uh, so let's let's move on to the the big proposals. Deep cut the, there, t- the, the big tent poles. <laughs> So this this is a cobbled together that I've done from several articles in the FT and Associated Acts. Um, it seems like you've been doing quite a lot of work here, Riley. Riley actually researches <laughs> now. He he, yeah. he puts together his show notes. Are you I the put, the researcher for the I'm, show? I I I have the I think I'm the, basically the showrunner. So uh, here is the here is here here proceeds uh, the discussion of Labour's plans, the tentpole plans, the big guys. Um, and this is in um. An article in the FT that starts with, UK Labour would seize 300 billion pounds of company shares. 
<gasps> Woo! <laughs> okay. Expropriate them. Um, yeah, that's what we're going to do. The labor leadership is t- determined to shift power away from bosses and landlords um, who need the power because they're they, babies. They wouldn't be, yeah, <laughs> because they're yeah. Ba- great big babies. And if they don't have enough power, then they, <laughs> they got to pay can, for those big diapers. They can't hold. They can't hold their own heads up, Milo. What they are they going to do? do? They if need they to have their heads supported. Have a stranglehold over the economy because that's how they develop their grip strength. The gigantic, <laughs> the gigantic babies that run everything. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they're determined to shift power away from them and give it to stupid old Teething workers, rings. workers and tenants. Oh, <laughs> they already have, you know, amazing grip strength, so they yeah. don't need any more power. Yeah, they're all adults. They have jobs. You know, mm. you can't get a job if you're not an adult. So QED, <laughs> landlords yeah. and they bosses higher, are babies. They have a higher, uh, you know, minimum wage. Yeah, they're yeah. Not babies. absolutely. Exactly. You know, the landlords and bosses need that money. <laughs> they um, do. This is this oddly enough. This rusks. is this is not far from what the British Landlords Association has actually said. <laughs> oh yeah, what a bunch of. What did they say? If landlords aren't given money, how can they bankroll their sons to run bizarre t-shirt companies? How will any of the sort of stupid art projects get funded that happen in East London? Do you if think you don't effigies have of Grenfell Tower are cheap? Is that what you think? Do you think we're not spending any money on the cardboard and poster paint and things on building this huge 20-foot-high cardboard model of Grenfell Tower that we're saying like to you? Do you, think, do you think we just found this stuff at the side of the road? Of course not. This required hours of work. Yeah. For, meanwhile, our ungrateful, ungrateful tenants just transfer money on their at their phones, by the way, on mm. their phones, they transfer money on their phones yeah. and then sleep in our houses. <laughs> yeah. And While like watching the on. Jeremy Kyle yeah. show. My landlord, my te- I, as a landlord, my tenants as a class have like forty houses, and I just don't have the one. <laughs> so mm. who's the real oppressed minority? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So, uh, Grace, you um, I've also you know you talked at length about financialization so far, and this is where I think we're going to get the biggest hits to the power of finance capitalism is in this plan. So a labor government would confiscate about 300 billion pounds worth of shares in 7,000 large companies and hand them over to workers in one of the biggest state raids on the private sector to take place in a Western democracy. Woo! (laughs) State raid! State raid! I mean, my new indie band, State Raid. (laughs) Yeah. um, So, what what do we think of what do we think of this wording? First of all, I mean, it's great, right? Like, what we need to be much more aware. I mean, this is a Bernie line, right? Is that there's been a class war going on in this country? It's time that the the working class won it. I mean, Thatcher used the apparatus of the state to wage class war from above. That is now time for socialists to use the power that they have to wage class war from below, just to kind of you know basically undermine an unfair, illegitimate, and now completely unsustainable system. What you're saying is we need to be a power bottom. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think the, uh, one of the, the other things, right, is that a lot of the moral arguments that say, well, all of these companies worked hard to have all these shares and all these profits just sort of assumes that all of these things come to you as a measure of your moral worth that, like, well... We need this this executive, you know, Jerry Falwell Jr., who owns that university or whatever. They need they're entitled to their like um, outsized rent. I mean, the problem is the problem so is that that you know, like most classical economics doesn't have a coherent theory of value. It doesn't really get where value comes from. There's just mm. an assumption that you know the market determines what anything is worth, whether that's labor yeah. or a good or whatever else. And there's no 
real analysis of how the market is shaped by states, by private interest, etc. Uh, and there's no, yeah, there's no kind of analysis of of what the value that is being created that people are paying for is. And of course, Marx does have a theory of value, and according to that theory of value, the people who own the stuff are not doing anything. Mm. They're not creating any value. They're not doing anything to deserve what they have, which makes sense given that you know most of the people who become wealthy from their ownership of stuff in this country that's like landlords you know investors etc can effectively just buy an asset and wait for its value to increase um or you know trade it with other assets and make money from kind of arbitrage more on that later (laughs) yeah (laughs) value is what kicks up to johnny sack and no one else um so the other the thing is workers create value basically but what i find interesting in the sort of classical economic that's classical it's still very much around today just no one takes it seriously except for pundits um is this idea that with with value is is almost this social is purely a construct where it's just preferences that arise from just generally yeah just preferences that arise from nothing um and they're just expressed by players in a market and we can't say what they come from and we can't say that anything underlies them because that would be interfering in a complex system which we couldn't possibly understand. Yeah, oh, it's and, my sex um, life. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. Just I mean, arising from nothing and interfering in a complex system which you couldn't possibly understand. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. But like there's a reason that yeah, this it basically comes from, you know, the moral philosophy of utilitarianism, right? There is a reason that John Stuart Mill, who was one of the most favorite famous liberals, was also a uh, theorist of, of utilitarianism they have this idea that you know happiness is the great the, the, the you know the greatest good for the greatest, greatest number for the greatest yeah. number is uh, the kind of only moral duty that we right. have i was going to say though i mean the the idea here is that this plan would then grant workers the right to have a say with like the same rights that shareholders would have and yeah. also to receive dividends yes. from from profits generated so in fact this is what it says it says shares would be held and managed by workers who would receive dividends of up to 500 pounds each year income beyond that is redistributed to the exchequer and then spent on things that things that the state spent does. on things spent yes. on things yeah mm. that was actually the one thing i did think about that was like 500 pounds a year isn't really that much money like if you're really yeah. serious about redistributing the workers why don't just give them all the dividend i mean it's it's a not enough money and it's b not enough control i mean if you think about the shareholdings in certain corporations controlled by a tiny number of asset managers then the combined weight of finance capital is always going to be used to outmaneuver workers in terms of the decisions that are made on behalf of the company. And that's really the most important thing. Like the wealth thing is, I mean, it is important in the sense that you want workers to be wealthy enough to be able to leave their job if they want to, or, you know, Mm -hmm. to be able to kind of have the basic means of subsistence available to them so that they can organize. But the main thing is that sense of control in order to direct these companies not to do bad things and not to abide by the logic of maximizing shareholder value, which is a big part of uh, the financialization story. Um, So yeah, it's not enough. It's not enough control. It's not enough money. And I think there's like a, there's a way to go on this plan yet for it to be something really transformative. Now, the Adam Smith Institute, of course, has called this move expropriation. And, oh, no. Uh, ooh, ooh, an, ooh. But I was just wondering, because isn't this sort of what already happens in Germany with regard to like the number, like board, company boards have a certain number of shares that are reserved for workers? Yeah. Is it that they have shares or is it that they just have workers they, on boards? They have votes. They don't have yeah, shares, but they, they have worker have representation yeah. on boards. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. they give them shares, then Germany will slowly start moving to South America. Just, <laughs> oh, you mean <laughs> germans Yeah. <laughs> Or, or as they as they know it, Brazil, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Argentina. Surely, yeah. I, I guess I just asked that question because this doesn't.
doesn't seem particularly radical. I mean, it does in the sense that people are going to be hysterical about it. Like right wing columnists are going to be hysterical about it here. It doesn't surprise me. But like in terms of the actual change being represented here, the ownership is is representation is not the radical change. The ownership is the more radical change. I mean, it really in many ways, it is kind of radical in the sense that you can completely understand the logic behind why this has been done. It has been done as part of, you know, you would hope a longer term project basically to socialize ownership in the economy, Mm -hmm. i.e. to create socialism, to undermine Mm -hmm. the distinction between owners and workers. So in that sense, it is really radical. In the sense of the impact that it would have, I think it would be more of a, like, I mean, obviously it would have an impact. It would be good to have workers having these shares. It would be good to have them having a voice. I think the impact would be more psychological in the sense that it would happen. The world wouldn't start burning and people would be like, huh, maybe the people who run the corporations aren't actually the ones that you know, need to have all the power because they're so much cleverer than the rest of us. Yes, but Grace, uh, the Adam Smith Institute has said that the largest investors in the country are pension funds who will see billions of pounds wiped off their books in a stroke. We'll see the value of all our pensions fall. It's the biggest raid on all our nest eggs in living memory. Well, this is actually a really important thing because a Joke's big... on them because I don't have a pension. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Checkmate none limbs. of my generation Checkmate. have a pension. The privatization of pension funds was like a massive thing in... Um, building support for financialization because it kind of created this model of like property owning democracy. You have in the same way that, you know, privatizing the social housing stock and transferring it to private owners gives people a stake in continuous house price inflation and therefore the stability of the system and therefore the creation of lots of debt. You have this same logic in that, you know, uh, private individuals owning shares in corporations via their pension funds or individually gives them an incentive to support an economy that's broadly run according to the interests of you know, other shareholders and where companies are run based on the logic of shareholder value. So doing any of this stuff does mean we have to massively reform the pension system as well. Mm. I've got some arguments in my book about just how we might do that. Um, So I argue for a people's asset manager, just like you have investment banks at the moment that have asset management arms. So like Mm -hmm. the investment bank will lend to a business and then the uh, asset management arm will then invest in it because it knows that the business is going to grow as a result of that lending. Um, We would have the National Investment Bank And alongside it, a people's asset manager that would, on the one hand, invest um, a kind of national fund uh, that would be like a citizen's wealth fund, invest on behalf of that to like steadily socialize ownership throughout the economy. And on the other hand, you would have um, like tax incentives for pension funds rather than sending their um, capital to BlackRock, send it to the people's asset manager and the people's asset manager invests it and then acts as a kind of responsible shareholder Mm. in these corporations. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, that means that all of this shared prosperity, um, it, it means that we're all going to live in a gulag. One big gulag, I think it's going <gasps> yes. to be. people's pussy gulag. <laughs> in, in the sense that, you know, we will be in control of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we will be running our own gulag. And the, mm. the, 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 all, the argument. <laughs> That's my dream. <laughs> the argument <laughs> somewhere in upstate Maine. I'm just. <laughs> Start my own gulag. I'm very <laughs> Me and my wife just. I, I'm very happy with a people's asset manager as long as that said asset manager sounds exactly like Bane. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so I think really the, adopted um, the gulag. The um, the, the the other. The other thing, one of the things also that you that this brings up for me is the fact that the useful idiots of capital, the the Kristen Nemitzes and stuff, um, their whole premise seems to be, well, you couldn't do anything intentionally in the economy, of course. Well, this is a Hayekian line, yeah, which is interesting actually. I touch on this in the book a bit, which is that the economy is a complex system, and they're right. The economy is a complex system, um, and therefore they say it needs to be free and not subject to any centralized command and control. But what's fascinating is that they have such a blind spot about the mechanisms and command and control that already exist within the economy. Like 
neoclassical economists don't really analyze what goes on inside the firm. They have no understanding of the way in which um, the kind of really like rigid mechanisms of, of control that are exerted by owners over workers actually do kind of, you know, create problems like the fact that, you know, firms don't pay their workers enough or they are like emitting tons of carbon and and not um, looking after the planet. And also the way in which the state does that same thing. You know, capitalism is supposed to be this complex self-organizing system, but it's not. It's organized entirely by the state and by firms and by finance. And all this is saying is actually that system is inefficient and wrong. If we want things to work you know, better, if we want to save the system, we want to save the planet, then we should have a self-organizing system in which workers, the people who actually exist in the system and make up the vast majority of its numbers, are the ones with the power and the control and can therefore shape its direction. Uh, now, not everyone has been sort of as pleased with, as we are with Corbyn's plan and Corbyn and McDonald's plan, where our, our line seems to be good, but do more. Um, this is from an article in Reaction Magazine entitled, yes, it's called Reaction Magazine, folks. Reactionaries. Yes. Yeah. Like they're proud reactionaries. Yeah, they're, yeah. That's nice. Uh, entitled, even Marx would be shocked by Corbyn's plans for a socialist revolution. You know how Marx called for the, nas- the, the workers to take control of 2 to 4% of the companies? <laughs> that was his famous line. Yeah. <laughs> workers, workers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but certain of your chains. I, I mean, of all the things that like exist in this current time, I feel think that Marx would probably, Corbyn's plan probably would not be necessarily so high on the list. And what I really want to find out is what does Marx, what would Marx think of like jewel pods? Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, yeah. I imagine well, if, Marx, if Marx were here today, he would say, what the fuck is an iPhone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He would yeah. be shocked, he would be like, people are investing in something called footsie? <laughs> in my days, this was illegal. Yeah. Um, so here's the line from, from Reaction. <laughs> Um, this outrageous raid, which uh, we have argued before, amounts to theft and could prove to be illegal. Because you know, par- Damn, I hate if, that legal theft. Yeah, if, if Parliament makes a law and then people obey the law, it's actually morally illegal. Still, mm. um, for natural the, law, folks. <laughs> it's a mad proposal and one that is a stealth tax in all but name. Damn. It is also deeply flawed because such a plan would not give workers wider share ownership as they would not have the right to buy and sell their shares, which is ostensibly the point of the exercise. Wow. Wow. Why aren't, we it, making the, why aren't we making the Britain a nation of day traders? <laughs> Everything is just busy town. <laughs> just buying and selling. Yeah, it's the entirety of Britain just slowly turns into the floor of the stock exchange with guys in little coats running around giving each other pieces of paper, buying and selling and buying. <laughs> Buying and selling, endlessly yeah. buying and buying and buying and selling and selling it all off and buying it all back again. And no one actually makes anything. It's all just fun with Monopoly money. I actually just realized that uh, trading floors are just like the coked up version of the Henley Royal, Royal Regatta. Because it's like the same blazers and a bunch <laughs> of dudes. It's the same dudes 10 years later, <laughs> just more coked up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I also just I love the idea that we've talked about this before, that like the performative dumbness in order to miss the point of the exercise is obviously like a big thing in, in oh, media that's, in that's general. That's the flavor of and Reaction British Magazine. In particular. But my God, way to miss the point intentionally here. It is mad. I mean, it just implies did they do it on purpose? Did they or did they actually think that that is what the point of owning a company is? Look, That's not even the point mm. of owning a company to the people who actually own companies. Yeah. Like it's not yeah. just that, you know, they've got all like the big asset manager like BlackRock owns 
these shares so they can buy and sell them. They own them for control and for returns. Mm. Yeah, it's so stupid. Sh- shares only actually even have buy and sellable value on the expectation that you would get dividends from owning them yes. and also from like the residual value if theoretically you closed down the company and divided up its assets. Like they don't have inherent value. They're not like it's like that's like this like weird <laughs> script with which you exchange money, like mm. monopoly dollars. Yeah. It's uh, that the, in order to defend this, this the financialized system, you have to have such an abstract view of the economy that you can read a busy town book and be like, "Yep, that's a doc. That's a factual book about a real factory." But it also where comes. I wouldn't even see shares. I just see blonde, brunette, redhead. <laughs> it also comes back to the fact that they don't get what value is, so they can be like, "Well, of course, the value derives from the buying and the selling," because they haven't got a theory about buying and selling is fun. You get to see numbers <laughs> go up and down. There are graphs. You can you have. Computers with multiple monitors, you get to win and lose. It's like a little game. So one of those games you play in ICT when you're like 14 yes. years old. And it's like um. the buying and selling game. <laughs> yeah, we made it in Excel. Yeah. <laughs> Although to be fair, it would be hilarious if workers decided to go on strike and also took a short position in their own company. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would yes. be jokes. <laughs> um, so let's go back to the FTPs for the second plan. Uh, the UK's 2.6 million landlords would also face a moment of reckoning. <laughs> Damn, one of my favorite minority yeah. groups. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> would face a moment of reckoning if Labour won the next general election, as McDonald said he wanted to introduce a right-to-buy scheme for private tenants as well as higher taxes on landlords. So what he said specifically is that he wants to tackle the burgeoning buy-to-let market to make it easier for workers to buy the homes they live in and suggested the sum paid by tenants would not necessarily be the market price. And even if we don't fully... Think this proposal is well thought through. I really like the sentiment of fleecing yeah, the landlords. I mean, expropriating, um, expropriating the landlords is a good idea. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, yes, this proposal is a, potentially a step in the right direction, but it's not going to solve the housing crisis on its own because no matter what you do, no matter how much credit you create, you are never going to be able to get to a system where everyone is able to own their own home unless you literally transfer a home to everyone. And if you transfer a home to everyone, fine. But I mean, it's the same, like then you've effectively got a situation in which it's much more difficult for people to move homes. It's much more difficult to figure out what happens between generations. It makes much more sense to have a system of socialized property alongside a system of private ownership for individuals, which is basically what we had during the Second World War when you had like a large chunk of... um housing tenure that was represented by social housing. Um, and then you had a tiny number of private landlords and private renters and the rest kind of owners. Mm. Yeah, well, that's what they all want to go back to, of course, is the period during and just after the Second World War, but with many more private landlords uh, generally. I mean, my, my thought on this is that like, even if all they did was start out and say, we're, we're just going to reacquire all the ex-council properties that have been sold off, that would be a step in the right direction. It, it, like, yeah. Assuming that it also comes along with ending right to buy, because which I have seen. Like, I, th- I want to say that the, some of the, the figures that were put in, in, in like online, what was being shared was that they wanted to build something like 3 million new council homes and end right to buy immediately and, yeah. and reacquire council homes. But just doing that would be a start because, yeah. for, I mean, at least for my extremely subjective not big sample margin of just looking for a new place to live. It certainly seems like a lot of ex-council homes are fucking overvalued to a great degree. And yeah. those are all, from what I can tell, owned by buy-to-let landlords. And so the idea that the state built these things, sold them at a pittance to people who have now become wealthy off the fact that they are they now own multiple properties. like It's just such a mind-blowing concept 
Um, I'm not saying America is better by any means, but it's just it's a concept. We, we, mm. we haven't yet happened upon the idea of selling off public housing, although people would love to do it, mm. or selling it off mm. piecemeal like condo units. Mm. Yeah. And so the fact that this has happened has become the cornerstone of the sort of like rental market here is so absurd to me that like the idea of reacquiring it seems like it would be less controversial. Remunicipalization is something that I have mm. argued for, that the state should step in to buy up. Yeah. And this is also like part of the part of the issue, of course, that Labour don't want to talk about is that they know that if they do tax buy to let landlords and they, they do intervene more in the property market, do rent controls, etc., then obviously a lot of buy to let landlords are going to sell and that could potentially take the bottom out of the, the property market. So there needs to be yeah. a way to step in, um, you know, to prevent a widespread crash, not obviously to prevent prices stabilizing and, and like affordability increasing somewhat, mm. but to prevent a big crash that would basically like ruin the economy because of the links between housing wealth and spending. Yeah. So you could just step in and buy up, um, you know, remunicipalize homes at, you know, mm-hmm. a portion of their market value. So are you listening, Labour Party? Change the second pr- uh, policy. <laughs> However, yeah. the I, I have also curated some attacks on this policy that, um, again, just like our attack on the first policy, not enough. Um, the attacks on the second policy, let's say they're not the ones we're making. This is from an article in The Telegraph by property editor Isabel Fraser. Never mind the rather important point that this is expropriation of policy with landlords forced to sell their properties to tenants. This is another glaring alarm bell ringing fundamental problem, and it's going to hurt the very people the Labour Party are appealing to. Landlords? Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So... um, we said earlier, yeah, the bottom. If they leave the market, the bottom might drop out of the housing market, and it will re- reduce people's ability to like do um, housing finance-led spending. All this stuff. That's not the argument that's made in the Telegraph. They make a much more economics 101 argument. Are we ready for it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a simple problem of supply and demand. So don't worry. It's a simple problem. Okay. Good. Yeah. Uh, landlords. I hope look- you're ready to learn about. Is economics this also about grace. trading? Um, <laughs> land- landlords. Will- it is actually landlords will evacuate the market in droves, selling up before they're forced to by a labor government, thereby leaving many homes available to buy, but a lower supply of rental properties and therefore soaring rents. Do these people like, know how? <gasps> wow. Do they? Do they know like? <gasps> These wow. are, they act, they, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Do they know how, like, houses work? Do they no, know houses, how, like, they wink out of existence when they stop being owned by a landlord. The landlords, I mean, it's, like, it's like the Warhammer 40,000 Emperor. Their, their concentration keeps the home together. And if they no longer keep pouring their psychic energy into it, the home just crumbles to pieces. That's why all landlords just constantly rubbing their temples with their <laughs> eyes closed, <laughs> visualizing homes. Famously, the thing that people hate is like you know buying a place where they can actually like establish solid roots and like. No, they hate that. I, I, they I love lo- experiencing new neighborhoods with new restaurants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the poorest renters, those unable to af- buy one of those right to buy private sector homes, will be forced to stump up for unmanageably high rents. The wealthier renters, unlike now, <laughs> unlike now, where everything's fine, <laughs> everything's fucking fine. No. <laughs> so manageable because we have this amazing landlord class who are just looking after us all doing us all a favor by renting us the 10 homes that they own which otherwise they would live in with their huge fat asses <laughs> they would expand their huge ass into every room of 20 homes no they have confined their ass to but one small dwelling for the benefit of you the proles so that you might live there for the mere sum of a thousand pounds a month for a fucking mattress with walls in shitting fucking Croydon. 
Uh, wow, pro- the, that was amazing. The, the property market's You're a welcome. great way to see. Talking about the property market's a great way to see the veins in Milo's forehead. <laughs> he went really red. Yeah. Um, he went red I like a landlord. I literally can't afford to live anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Subscribe to the Patreon, folks. I live by folks. the grace and favor of other people because that's the economy we live <laughs> sub, in. Sub to the Patreon. Uh, <laughs> I could afford to live somewhere in Russia. You know, Russia has a better economy than we do because I could afford to live there. <laughs> uh, sounds like something that Seamus Milne might have told you to say. Seamus Milne. So, um, wealthier renters, you know those wealthy renters driving around in their Monopoly cars, swanning in and out of houses that driving they can just rent. Driving around in That renting any house they please, being, waking up and being like, I feel I shall summer in Croydon this year. <laughs> and then just swanning down to the wealthy rental areas of Croydon, oh, living in the water. I'm going. I think we shall we shall live in in the Peep Show house this this <laughs> summer. It shall be ever so droll. You'll be Mark and I'll be Jez, and they do that. You're the wealthy renters who were probably able to buy anyway, but didn't for somehow. Yeah. Will snap up these newly available homes. I mean, it's ridiculous, but there is one point in there which is that unless they plan to move to an like entire. This is what I said before. Unless they plan to get everyone owning their own home, there will have to be yeah. affordable social rented housing as well. Mm-hmm. Like the, and we yeah. don't have enough of that at the, the moment. The problem is the concept of ownership, really. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, that's the problem. the problem with literally everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milo, I'd like to do your impression of Marx again, please, because I really enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what? That's a problem with the concept of ownership because suddenly I cannot own my pornography anymore. I must pay a subscription. Yeah, this is then, and then Sven Mark. Before I could buy a lithograph of someone removing their bloomers. Now suddenly I must pay $10 a month to watch someone shit on a dash on Why? I didn't realize that Karl Marx adjourned in Romania. Yeah. I, I also, also, that's. <laughs> Uh, it's also uh, Karl Marx after being turned away from Berlin's like, most famous opium den by the 19th century Sven Marquardt. <laughs> no, go- really better do. luck next time, folks. Um, so, well, the 80s scheme saw the state hand its own property over to ordinary people. You know, as opposed mm. to the uh, non-ordinary people yeah. now, <laughs> laborers would see ordinary people. Laborers' plan would see a Bolshevik-style land grab of private property. Wow! You know, and it Bolshevik wouldn't go to ordinary style. people either. It would go to elites. It would go to uh, cultural elites. Okay, so the idea of like the rich renters is just like really funny to me. It's like, it's very like do- East Coast dumb guy vibe of just like being like, no, look, all these idiots, they're buying houses. They got to stay in them. I'm renting houses because I'm not going to have a different house every week. Spend- <laughs> in my 80s, I'm going to be fucking a different house every week. You and you're still going to be stuck with money to house. make money. It's going to be old. Okay, guys- my house is going to be new. This is slightly off topic, but did you guys see a while ago that the lovely Ben Shapiro was like. I always see whatever he does. <laughs> was like small but look, perfectly formed. Climate change isn't a thing, but even if it is, it doesn't matter because the people who have homes that are threatened by climate change yes, can just this. sell their homes and buy and send it someone else. Buy houses on the sell houses was, on the low ground and buy houses yeah, on the high ground. And oh. there was this hilarious video that someone done and was like, "Who's gonna buy the houses, Ben? <laughs> Fucking Aquaman!" <laughs> <laughs> well, they did a similar one where it was like, "If global warming is real, why does Obama own a house beside the beach?" <laughs> Owned. Checkmate. Checkmate, Obama. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you believe in global warming so much, how come how come you still drink water? Just just imagine Obama reading that tweet and going, 
My God, Michelle, <laughs> phone the lawyer. <laughs> I, 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 We're going to sell a house. I love Your Obama sounds a lot like If you like, like the house, Sanders. you can keep it. Yeah, your Obama sounds a lot uh, like Bernie. The Obamas. You've done three marks and you can't come back out again. I was going to say that I love those tweets because, like, because Turning Point like tried to make turning the groups like Turning Point and like whatever groups that like cl- like low tax Chloe runs. Like they make mm. these memes and you can just see you can see in this image that like when they created it when they exported it to like I don't know fucking King or what, like PNG or whatever. Um, but they were just really proud about that. They were really just like, yeah, I've got them. <laughs> I fucking got them. Um, just like, yeah. Socialism's destroyed <laughs> by, by mm. epic memes. Anyway, um, like it or not, landlords play a crucial role in society. They do. Wow. They provide around four and a half million properties, one in five homes of, in all of Britain. Provide! 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 <laughs> folks, folks, they don't provide them. Folks, they can't provide well, just le- le- those homes. Those homes provided by builders. The landlords, they say they're providing homes. Leftist Donald not- Trump? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you just told him that landlord said that his dick was small, he'd be like all over it. Folks, very sad people. Landlord, they say they're providing homes. They're not. Yeah, just, just tell it. it. If you very just small told, homes, folks. If, very small. If you told, <laughs> if you told Donald Trump that... That the um the government house building program would be all his houses, but like, I can get everyone living in a Trump property. This <laughs> is government branded. These houses, they're gonna be filled with hot babes from the nineties. <laughs> people like Kathy Ireland. I know great people like that. Rebecca a Romaine, sexy folks. people, not like the women they have now. Better women. Nineties <laughs> women with high thongs. Yeah. Um, Damn. But like, and low a thong jeans. that like, yeah. is actually over your shoulders, yeah. like a mankini. Like a Borat one. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, such a sexy 90s woman, I'm wearing a mm. Borat thong. Yeah. So, like it or not, landlords play a crucial role in society. They provide around four and a half million properties, one in every five homes in all of Great Britain. Great Britain, yeah, by the way. Thanks, landlords. Until the government is brave enough to embark on a serious house building program, the number of renters is only going to keep rising. They accidentally made a good point in the Telegraph yeah, dare article. You, the government. They did. Yeah. They do need. But the Telegraph would basically just say, look, the problem with the housing market is that. There literally aren't enough homes, not the fact that there's like a tiny number of people who are monopolizing lots of the homes and that some of the people who own the homes don't have anyone living in the homes. And also that because we are able to buy, like borrow shit tons of money to be able to buy the homes, that that created a bubble that pushed up housing prices mm. and that since the financial crisis, QE has exacerbated that problem. Oh, yeah. But I mean, where else would I put my ass if I didn't <laughs> own these 10 homes? So the, 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 yeah, that's the thing. The Telegraph solution is for like persimmon. Build on the green belt. Persimmon to solution. build all those homes and for persimmon to own the, like the freehold. But of also them. like the idea that that people can't afford new homes now and so the only way you can get people into new builds is to have shared ownership like that mu- that should mm. trigger an alarm bell but instead they're just like no it's a good idea more schemes can own half your home while you live in it yeah we just like, it's more more just rube goldberg schemes to try to get people into the property market without giving them anything yeah because half your house is provided by your landlord and the other half of your house is provided by i don't know actually your dad? it comes from somewhere <laughs> But this is the thing, right? And because people will sign up for these things. And at least part of the reason is that if you don't own your home, right, you have like very, like a particularly unreliable way of saving for retirement. Like, how are you going to save your retirement when, you know, your defined contribution scheme is not giving you enough money when you can't put your money, you can't Mm. probably put your money in stocks and shares because, you know, that's not something that you have access to. Um, And interest rates are low and, uh, you can barely afford to make ends meet as it is. People feel the need to be like, okay, I need to put some money in an asset mm. 
that will retain its value for the future. That's a symptom of insecurity. And they're doing that even if it costs them tons of money. And even if it's, you know, mm. in somewhere where they have to commute literally two hours to get to work. It's a symptom of the fact that we like people have literally no idea what's going to be happening to them from one day to the next. That's a solution. That's a problem that needs to be solved by like, you know, expanding social security and giving people proper pensions. You got to put your money in Wobistics. Yeah, you got it. You know, that's what we're pushing. We're pushing Wobistics. Personal anecdote again, but we were looking, my wife and I were looking at a place to rent and it currently is on sale as well. And it had the sale listings dating back to the 90s on there. Um, and I tweeted about this a couple of days ago. The house was sold in 1997 for 60,000 pounds, was then sold again six months later for 100 or for 80,000 uh, pounds. It's currently on, it, they just took it off the market because no one's buying it, but it, but it was recently value or, or on sale at 800,000 pounds. Now in, in 1990, Peckham, in Peckham, in Peckham, in Peckham, in Peckham. And in 1997, <laughs> if you adjust 60,000 pounds for inflation, it was something like 107,000 pounds now. So the idea, that, like, I get it. They've renovated it. The, the, the area has become more popular. The overground's been built, but it hasn't increased. And you in value have access to sourdough times. pizza. It hasn't. <laughs> it hasn't increased in value eight times. And the idea that that a normal house, not particularly stand out in any way, has increased in value that much should give you some indication that well, all it, is not it's well. It's WeWork shit. It's WeWork shit. Where the everything they say as increasing the value of the house by that much. It's just like, okay, what? So they they have like a d- digital analytics that says they want baristas on the coffee bar in the morning. And then they have like water that spells out, you know, um, uh, it, it, every time you go to the bathroom, you could be working harder or whatever. Like, other than like, uh, well, that's what's contributing to this like for insane, like multi, multi, multi billion dollar valuation. It's the same thing with this. It's like, oh, the, you, this house is now worth 800,000 pounds, eight times as much as it was because there's a, a sourdough pizza place nearby. And um, I'm just you know. laughing at the idea that, that that some Instagram Tory comes out with a solution to Britain's productivity crisis. If people are just on the toilet too much, yeah. like, stop using the toilet. Stop yeah. shitting. Wear a diaper like a normal person, <laughs> like a landlord. Also, that's like a it's like a fig leaf. What they really mean? They're like, hey, rich middle class people who are white, do you want to buy this house in Peckham for eight hundred thousand pounds? They're like, well, not really. And they're like, are you sure there's now less black people? Well, okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Talk to me more about this house. <laughs> <laughs> um oh boy we we love gentrification um so let's uh let's go with the last response to the um the this article here because this is my favorite one it's my favorite one i found uh and it's sort of it was reported in both the daily mail and the express so this is an amalgam of both the the headline goes my favorite hybrid a bit rich three boats mcdonald plotting money grab on pensioners with second yes. homes yes. yes john mcdonald is a character in a weird logic problem about getting a goat and a chicken and a bag of grain <laughs> <to the laughs> side of and he is ja- his jackboot has been on the head of british working people for too long a goat a chicken a bag of grain and three boats fuck you mcdonald <laughs> <laughs> three boats mcdonald now i did some more looking into this and these boats are two of them are rowboats yeah. <laughs> i was gonna say like i surely they must be like tiny little ass boats <laughs> and one of them is a, a boat made out of a paper hat <laughs> yeah like, these are not big boats actually folks. john there, there are three hulls on one boat john mcdonald has a water world cosplay yeah, he's fetish he's just been doing this for years john um, mcdonald is planning for the apocalypse he's so, got like one of those turn your piss into water machines <laughs> so uh one neighbor told the daily mail when I saw the news about him banging on, <laughs> punishing neighbor. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Neighbor who talks to the Daily Mail, that's like all they do. They're professional snitches. <laughs> Local neighbor. 
<laughs> when I saw the news about him banging on about punishing people for being private landlords, that's again, this is all Kinky a moral McDonald. thing. Yeah, this is a moral thing. Mm. It's morally bad to be a private landlord. It is. But uh, we're doing <laughs> Okay, the- you got us yeah. there, neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> you win this round, neighbor. <laughs> but we'll be back. Yeah, uh, how dare you punish me for being successful enough to own a second home, as I think the, uh, the undertone here. Mm. Um, I thought, hang on a minute. It seems a bit hypocritical and duplicitous for him to be targeting landlords when he and his wife have their own second home in Norwich. <gasps> Which they don't rent out and are therefore not landlords. <laughs> they come up here quite regularly for weekends. It's like, oh, it's pretty rich for you to be saying landlords are shit when you could be a landlord but choose not to be. I've not thought this through. <laughs> <laughs> they come up here quite regularly on the weekends, probably to do sinister lefty stuff. Bastards, I added that last To bit. use their three <laughs> boats. Uh, especially in the summer. John Ooh. McDonald's son finished university last year and came university. up university. No, yeah, a university. You send your children to university. Yeah. How much money do these people have? Well, that that of course is very Daily Mail, isn't it? It's like, oh, the fucking Oxbridge, send your kids there. That is like, <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's coming up from university where they've been Marxistly indoctrinated by the professor. Again, the universities, which are just big hedge funds <laughs> at this point. Well, this is like, the same thing that they did yeah. when when Boris Johnson's neighbors uh, recorded the the argument with him and his his girlfriend that like these people living in their seven hundred and fifty thousand yes, pound flat in Camberwell. It's in fucking Camberwell. <laughs> a shoebox is valued at seven hundred fifty thousand yeah. pounds. I'm just yeah. imagining fucking uh, Joe McDonald, his son coming back from university, and he's like, "Damn, even Marx would be shocked at how indoctrinated my." <laughs> son has become at university uh, well, out from under the watchful eye of capitalist mcdonald five percent marks would balk exactly um a, 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 a tinkering in pro in the private property market that doesn't abolish the concept of private property marks said to do something but not this my, wait my did son. she say that in the- no i'm saying oh, okay. that. My, my son just came back from university and told me to downgrade to two boats well <laughs> Wow, this is um, ridiculous. They come up here quite regularly for weekends, in the, in, especially in the summer. McDonald's son finished university last year, last year and came up with three or four friends one week. They created Bedlam, making noise and jumping in the river. Wow. Can't, Typical. We can't reform the property market because John McDonald's... <laughs> John McDonald's rowdy sons won't stop jumping in the fucking river. It's <laughs> ruined <laughs> socialism for all of us. John McDonald's... <laughs> we were so close. That river was one day from retirement. <laughs> <laughs> just if we can't get any, all these these boys, these rowdy boys coming back from university and just swanning in to their daddy, the chancellor's second home in Norwich, which is worth. And by the way, the article says the chalet is worth an estimated hundred and seventy thousand pounds. The wow. chalet in Folks, Norwich. Jamadal's sons, they're too large. The river, <laughs> they keep jumping in the river. They keep jumping you in the river and flooding river. it. It's bad for the river. <laughs> that's you can't but do that's, it. <sighs> Uh, it's a small, I don't it's think a that's, small that's, cabin. that's particularly highly valued even for Norwich. Oh, it's yeah. a no, cabin. I don't know what average house prices are it's in Norwich. Below. It's £185,000 yeah. on average. It's below average. <laughs> it's a small cabin by a river. It has two rowboats moored at it. Damn. Oh, damn. Yeah. Uh. But honestly, like I don't know. He could live in a fucking moon palace if he's proposing good policies. I don't really care. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they do again. Yeah, this course, just goes, so back to my, goes back to my favorite thing when periodically some like news reporter who thinks they're really clever will like doorstep Jeremy Corbyn outside his house and be like, "Jeremy Corbyn, are you you claim to be a socialist and yet you, you live, live in, in a this, house. You live in this seven hundred thousand pound house, <laughs> and then his house looks like an absolute shithole. And Jeremy Corbyn is wearing like a full Donne tracksuit, looking like he's just come back from like buying scratch cards or something. And they're like, <gasps> "You, the Lord of the Manor, here in your mansion." 
kitchen and it's like a fucking like a perspex door and a pebble dash house. (laughs) It looks like somewhere your nan's friend Doris would live. (laughs) Well, a spokesman for Mr. McDonald told the mail, John and his wife have a riverside holiday hut with a mooring for two small rowboats and a small sail sail cruiser that he is restoring. Oh my God, that's so cute. Just imagine John McDonald being like Gran Torino guy. But with a boat, <laughs> and just what, what, just like doing, doing the thing where he does the gravelly voice to landlords, Fucking neighbors. Like he's racist Get away to, from my boat. He's just racist against landlords. You don't touch my boat. <laughs> I put the sail in that myself in 1975. <laughs> uh, just come, just inventing all kinds of new slurs for I bosses. To, I used to stack neighbors like you five feet high in Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. That's um. I think that's about enough for today. Uh, Grace, where can people find your book? People can find my book in all good bookstores. I would recommend that they buy it straight from the publisher, repeaterbooks.com, because mm. you get a free ebook when you buy it from them. A free book. A free book. A free Woo-hoo. book. Yeah, we're taking it from someone. We're actually taking the free ebook from a boss who has many ebooks, and we're yeah. redistributing it to you, the worker. Damn, socialism, giving away free stuff yet again. <laughs> you can't get my book for free, though. Sorry. Yeah. No, you I can't get her book. Yeah, she, Grace needs to- You can to... listen to this podcast for free, though. Yeah, so. great. But you can't listen to every <gasps> podcast for free. Oh, shit. Wait, you can't you, even do that now. You do yeah. need That's to pay. That's capitalism, folks. Yeah, well, our Pay podcast... for Grace's book because it's sexier that way. Yeah. <laughs> our pay, po- you little pigs. <laughs> yeah. Let Grace and us fin dom you. Great, Grace, I was going to ask you, have you been on books? I, have, has your book featured on, like, Bookstagram yet? What's Bookstagram? Oh my people god! Take you know, pictures of so their it's, books. It's, it's just like these, like Insta- this Instagram community of people that just take like obsessively like aesthetic pictures of books, and sometimes like wow. they're just like the most mundane and like boring kind of. Um, not to say that yours is obviously because it's great. <laughs> it's, just, it's a good book. Ooh, I start. I start. I, I. I. I'm not. Was yours to- on there? Uh, it was actually. This is what was weird. Oh so, shit! Like, well, if so, yours like, is on there, then so, mine should be on so there. Someone took my book and they. <laughs> I don't want to lose. <laughs> someone took my book and they made like a whole like floral pattern around it, and I was just like, "Wow, that's great!" And that's so. I want to find this. I'm looking them up that. right now. That's um, nice. So you take, go to their next yeah. photo, and it's like twelve rules for life. <laughs> <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> so, so here's so, a yeah. here, here here's the TF challenge. Um, Take, buy Grace's book, uh, take a picture with it, <gasps> put it on, put it on Instagram. Instagram, and also rate it. That yeah. would take a picture of it next to your dick or something, like no, the opposite no, of what, Instagram. What, 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 I, I don't, I, I don't was, do that. I was, I was going to say, reference. I was going to say, take Insta fuck pics with Grace's book. <laughs> Please <laughs> yes. do. Oh yeah, yeah. Thought, thought ended up with stolen. And Pass, also, guys, balance it on your ass. Also, guys, go online and rate it on everything. Go yeah. give it five stars on like Amazon, even though we hate them. Go give it five stars on Goodreads. Everything. I don't know what that is, but yes. Um, yeah, to do all that. Oh, it's a good website. You should, you should check also, it out. Okay. No, don't do that. And also, also come, yeah, ra- rate it five out of five on Goatsy. Great Grace's book on Lemon Party. You heard it here first. Sex websites. After a fashion. Um, <laughs> the, the exception what, of Stormfront. Yeah. You know, mm. uh, anyway, uh, so you also can come see us on the at the World Transformed in Brighton. On the twenty third at one thirty, mm. so do it's that. It's a Monday. It's so, a Monday so at one thirty. Yeah. The world transformed in Brighton. Come so see us. So skip your job or spend your lunchtime with us before you go yeah. back to day awesome. entry. Come hang out with us over lunch. Also, um, we'll do that. Friday, 27th of September, I'm doing a special live performance of my Edinburgh show, Pindos, at the Etc. Theatre in Camden. There'll be a link to buy tickets in the show notes. I know that their ticketing website is very Windows 95. It's not my fault. In Camden? Huh. Yeah. 
That sounds I'm cool. That sounds posh. Yeah. How yeah. can you afford mm. to do a gig in Camden? Damn. Milo Evans foiled again. <laughs> yeah. Hussein, I hear you can I plug, um, yeah, coming can in. I, can I plug something? Because I have to. Um, yes. I've got like it's, one it's... of my last ever book events for the year on the 26th at the Asia House Literary Festival. Um, there are tickets left. My publisher is like, you need to sell more tickets. Stop, you know, promote your promote your book and stuff. So come to my event and hang out and, you know. Yeah. Uh, is Asia House like Soho House, but the only one in Asia? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the only yeah. one that Andrew Yang's are like, um, it's the one yeah. that like Andrew Yang kind of talks about all the time. Yeah, it's the medical school where Andrew <laughs> Yang finds all the doctors he's talking about. Um, anyway, that does it for us here today at TF. So thank you all for listening and see you in the bonus episode. Mm. Later. Thank you.